Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently Learning, page 79 in Tractating the Darim with you. Jeremy Kolmanowski here learning the beginning of the 11th chapter of the, the Talmud. We'll begin with the Mishnah down at the bottom of 79a. We'll learn about the, uh, the limits of the husband's power. What kind of vows can he nullify? Can he nullify absolutely anything? that she might make in a devotional context. She gets it in her, her mind to make some promise to God. Does he have total power over that? Or is it a more limited case? The Mishnah says, V'elu nedarim These are the vows which he may annul. Dvarim sheyesh bahem inui nefesh. The vows which are uh, involving uh, some sort of ascetic suffering on her part. The, the Torah says, uh, La'anot nefesh, that is the kind of vow that she, she can make. Le'asor isar al-nafshah, to forbid something to herself. Those are the ones over which he has some uh, some authority. Such as, im erchatim lo erchat. She vows to bathe or not to bathe. She vows, she vows im et kashet, im lo et kashet, not to wear jewelry or adorn herself or not to wear jewelry. Amar Rabbi Yossi, now at the top of the next page, Ein Elo Nidre Inui Nefesh, those don't count as actual self-mortification vows. Ve'eluhen, these are the ones that are Nidre Inui Nefesh. Amra, if she says, Konam Perot Ha'olam Alai, I will eat no of the fruits of the, I will not eat at all of the fruits of the earth. Hareze Yachol Lehefer, this is what the, the, the husband may uh, may annul, but in contrast, a little bit less less uh, dramatic. Uh, if she says perot medina zo alai, I will have no fruits from this one location. I will not eat any Florida oranges. Yavilo medina acheret, they can one can bring her. He he could the the husband could bring her. Uh, you know uh, California oranges. And that's not inui nefesh. She can still have oranges. She says perot chenva, and, and therefore the husband cannot annul cannot annul that that vow. Perot chenvanize alai. If she vows not to eat any oranges from the Pathmark supermarket, um, then he cannot uh, nullify that vow. Ve'im lo haytap parnasat. Uh, but if that's the only store in town, then that is inui nefesh ze yafer. That the group, that the husband can annul. The Gemara goes on now and is not entirely satisfied that that is an exhaustive list because the Torah describes this whole vowing matter and the vowing powers that husbands and fathers have. Bein bein ishto between a husband and his wife, or a father and his daughter, so we learn the uh, that is milamed shehabal mefer nedarim shebeino levena that the husband does have the power to nullify 
the vows that are between him and her, that is to say, in a sexual context, when she, when she, or in some, I suppose not only a sexual, but in some other uh, context of their personal intimacy, the, the husband is given the, the power to control her decision-making in those, uh, in those ways. Now, you and I in the modern time might think that this is an excellent example of uh, what an ancient text the Torah is, and I think you'd be right. The Torah certainly does think that uh, males control females, that husbands control wives, and that fathers control daughters, and even their relationships to God and their duties to God are at least contingent upon agreement by the males in their lives. And that's certainly not the way we live nowadays, and I can't quite imagine why anybody would want to live uh, that way, and certainly not nowadays. One interesting conceptual legal matter emerges out of this. There are these two categories, therefore, the inui nefesh, the self-affliction vows, which the husband may annul, and then the, the vows of personal intimacy, between him and her, that the husband annuls. And the, uh, the Gemara goes on and says, Eileen uh, ve'eileen uh, mefer, the husband may annul each of them, mihu inui nefesh mefer la'olam, but when, once he, avow, once he uh, nullifies a vow that she makes as an ascetic vow upon herself, it is nullified forever. But if the vow is not a self-affliction, but a matter of something about personal intimacy, as long as she remains beneath him, that's a lovely way to talk about marriage, isn't it? As long as she is beneath him or married to him, the vow is nullified. But once she, uh, once they are divorced, that vow kicks in. So his hafara, his power to nullify the vow, really should be thought of not as a nullification, but a suspension, uh, awaiting its later its later reactivation. Can that possibly be true? The Gemara will go on and bring another teaching from Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, who recommends that the husband um, nullify the vows in advance of the divorce. For example, if, a, if the wife in this case is really blazing mad at her husband and she takes a vow, I hereby vow that you will get no economic benefit from me no matter what. Um, if he lets that vow stand, then he could never, subsequent to the divorce, remarry that woman because marriage does come with economic benefits and in classical terms the woman contributes certain economic benefits to the household like spinning spinning wool and, and uh, grinding flour and the like. Uh, so he cannot let such a vow stand. He has to nullify it while the marriage is still on, uh, or, or they could never remarry, which is an outcome that the Talmud would like to see. Um, with that indicates, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri indicates, that the, that the nullification that happens during the marriage is still in effect after the divorce. So it's not true that the vow is merely in suspense until the divorce. The Gemara resolves this apparent contradiction by saying that the vows which are inui nefesh, that ascetic self-commitment on her part, they are permanently nullified, um, but the vows with respect to benola vena, in some sort of personal relationship, personal intimacy, they, um, they hold as long as he and she are married or even potentially married, 
but that once she marries somebody else, and is hence no longer a potential marriage partner for the original husband, we'll call them Ruvain and Sarah, and then the subsequent husband is Shimon, once Sarah has been divorced from Ruvain and marries Shimon, she cannot marry Ruvain again, then that vow, which Ruvain initially nullified, is re-eligible, and kicks back in again, and then Ruvain and Sarah really can have no economic relationship in the example that I gave. All right, thanks for learning today with me, and I look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.